If you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, follow fully. Follow fully. All right. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, it says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Now, I could preach all night just on this one verse. We won't, but we do want to say this. It's obvious that fear can come to God's children, and he has to let them know, don't be afraid. Because when the kingdom's in operation, sometimes you don't see it. In fact, a lot of times you don't see it because the kingdom is operating in the realm of the spirit. We can't physically show up at the castle and look at Jesus to his face, but his kingdom's in operation by the spirit and through his word. And his word is forever settled in heaven. And when we speak, the speak his word in the name of Jesus, things happen. Things change. Things adjust. Things move. Because God's word will not fail. Period. It does not fail. It always works when someone believes. If you are firmly persuaded and literally in faith and do not abandon that faith, then I guarantee you his word will come to pass in your life. Period. It is not an exception. Your life is not an exception. If something hasn't worked, either you weren't praying the right thing, you were off in the way you were declaring what God's word said, or you don't know what God is saying. Because the minute you get what God is saying about your situation, it will turn out that way, period. It cannot fail. It has to be that way. So again, let's don't get afraid. Why? Because he has chosen gladly. Listen, he is with great joy wants to see his kingdom come to pass in your life. And remember, I, I, Jesus said to pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which means he's excited to let go of his heaven realm that nobody sees but you know exist, and drop that thing down into your earthly realm, and it come to pass. And he's not like, well, I don't know if I really want to give that to them. Oh, you know, I'm not, oh, okay, fine. You know, and you're begging doesn't get it. Oh, Jesus, please, Jesus, please. Begging don't get it. Begging don't get it. Crying don't get it. Faith gets it. I said faith gets it. Now, he knows where your faith is, which means sometimes you have a cry in your faith. As a baby, you'll have a cry in your faith. As a babe in Christ, you'll have a cry in your faith. And there's not a problem when you're at baby stage. Will God say, I know you're, I hear you crying. It's all right. I know you're believing based upon what you're knowing. I'm going to show you how good I am. And he just does it, right? Why? It's just like when you have a child, you're giving them the bottle or, or you're giving them the milk of the mama, right? So that they can grow up. But eventually, whining is not acceptable behavior. So we are to grow from faith to faith, glory to glory. So there'll come a time where you're like, oh, Lord, I, I believe your word. I do this, change this in my life. And you're doing that. And God's like, yeah, I'll do that. But that is to strengthen you. You know what? He did it here. He did it here. He did it here. He did it here. He's faithful. So I don't have to cry about this. My God to do it. All I got to do is say, Lord, according to your word, it is written. And in Jesus' name, let it be done. And the Lord says, I, I, I'm glad to do that for you. Why? Because that's part of my kingdom. And you're my child. And I love you tremendously. So then Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 and 13 says this, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. And that love is not the world's love, okay? How they define love, this word in the Greek literally is agape, which is the God kind of love. 
So it says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's agape, so believers, their love will grow cold. But the one who, here it is, endures to the end, he will be saved. Now, this is not you working out your salvation in the context that you've got to make sure you do this or you're going to lose this deal. That's not what it's saying. It's just saying, if you're going to operate in the full benefits and privileges that are afforded you in the kingdom and your faith pull the unseen into, into the scene, you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to endure some things because there's going to be plenty of things in the natural or in the circumstances or life or in this world that is still not in God's original intent of how he created planet Earth because when Adam ate the fruit, sin came into the world. It is in a fallen state, and God will, will take care of the planet later on. We get a new one, all right? But until that takes place, sin is in the Earth, and people are running away from God. People are living like there is no God. People are doing what they think is right, but in the end lies death. And we are seeing it. And a lot of times when you're watching what is lawlessness is simply living a life independent and in rebellion to God's word. I'm not doing God's word. And if you practice that and live that consistently, then that is considered lawlessness. All right? That is considered lawlessness. Because, again, I realize there are people out there preaching that we're not under the law. Well, you are under a law. Amen. That is not scriptural. Now, we are not under the Mosaic law, number one, because we're not even Israel's. We're not Jewish people. We're not in that covenant if you're a Gentile. Okay? But the Messiah has come. Jesus has shown up. And there's a new law that Paul writes about in Romans. He said, you've been redeemed from the law of sin and death. And you've been transferred to the law. The Bible calls it a law. The law of spirit and life. So there is a law concerning life and the spirit of God, which means God is going to uh, guide our steps. He's still giving us instruction in this new dispensation. We, we are children of God, and Jesus has paid the price for all of our disobedience. He's made us righteous, but now we have to walk that righteous out by obeying his word and putting it on and being a doer of it, and that's enacting the law of spirit and life. And when we enact the law of spirit and life, which is enacted by faith, because grace has no work in your life until faith shows up. Right. And faith can't show up unless you're a doer. Because right. if you're not a doer of the word, then you have dead faith. Because right. even the devils believe Jesus, but it doesn't do them any good. Right. No, you've got to be a doer of the word. That means you've got to recognize that action, that behavior, that way of thinking, that way of talking, that way of doing is lawlessness. And I don't do that. I do God's word, and that's life. That's spirit and life. And man, God has chosen gladly to give me that. But in a world where you're hearing it all the time, if you don't watch out, you will grow cold in your love walk. Because you'll get put up, put out, and you'll get fed up with the way people are acting. And you'll think, man, ain't nobody changing. Well, you changed. I mean, God was able to get to you. He can get to them. But you know what? Some are not going to be gotten to. I may not be great English, but you understand what I'm saying. Some are, he'll get to them and reveal himself, but they will reject him. 
And it was never his intent for them to reject him, but they will nonetheless. And it's not because God didn't make the effort and God didn't reveal himself to them, but they will choose to reject him and Jesus Christ, the Savior, who paid the price for all their transgression. Amen? Amen. Okay. So with that being said, let's go over to Romans chapter 10, verse 11. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. So you got to understand, believing has at times layers of endurance. There are some things we can believe God in his word and get immediately. All right, I don't have time to preach that all today, but I'll give you a couple examples. When you ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, you immediately get born again. That is not a process. That does not take time. That is immediately, instantly, you are become a new creature in Christ. The old passes away. Behold, all things become new. Say, I'm new. Come on, say, I'm new. Sometimes you got to remind yourself you're new because your mind to tell you you're nobody. You're never going to get anywhere. You're really just the same person. You look the same. You still think the same. But your spirit man's saying on the inside because he's listening to the Holy Ghost saying, hey, you can change the way you think. And the Holy Ghost says, I'm in here to help with that process because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what else you can get instantaneously? Uh, the endowment of power from on high or the, uh, um, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. One way we say it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll get filled with the Holy Ghost. And evidence of that is you'll speak in other tongues. You don't have to tarry anymore for that. There was one time they were waiting around, but Jesus said, wait till he comes. But once he hits, he's there. And you can immediately by faith receive. Paul in Acts chapter 19 asked the disciples there, did you receive the Holy Spirit once you believed? And they're like, we don't even know what you're talking about. We never heard that. He said, well, what baptism were you baptized into? They said, John. He said, oh, John baptized into repentance. So you know Jesus is Lord. But he went on and, and, and showed them uh, concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they received it immediately. In fact, at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, the minute they believed Jesus was Lord, they began to speak in other tongues. They got salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit just like that back to back and it was instantaneously do you know healings can be instantaneous there are at times healings are absolutely immediately you can immediately receive it you can absolutely now there are others that it's a process it's as you go but i would encourage you if you'll stay in the word that process is speeded up you know, don't let it linger out just because, well, it takes time. Don't give it time. You get in faith and get it as quick as possible. Are you with me? Okay. But there are things that does literally take time because the plan and purpose of God for your life takes time. The plan and purpose of Anchor Faith Church that we talked about vision, it takes time to accomplish. It just doesn't happen overnight. But it's amazing how many people... Don't endure. It's amazing. You know, I've been here 15 years now come April, and some people can't endure my voice anymore. I mean, I'm just being honest. You know, they spend more time reading other people and watching other ministries than literally listening intently with their whole spirit from the person that God made as an overseer over your soul. Some can endure receiving their, their 
best food from the one God placed in your life that gets to look you in the eyeballs. Because see, when I look you in the eyeballs and I talk to you and I see your walk and I see your talk, I know whether you're in faith or not. I know what spirit's about you. I know what you're listening to. I know what you're hearing. You know, I mean, you can love everybody's Facebook post and Instagram post. You can tell about everybody's book and how much it's changed your life. But the reality is they're not walking with you and smelling like you. Having to get down in your dirt to pull out your treasure. Hallelujah. This is part of enduring till the end. Because if I'm not the pastor to oversee you, go find the one that is. Because you're never going to grow till you find them. To the capacity God wants you to. Because we're all located somewhere locally. And we're in an information age. We're in a social media age where people pick and choose which pastors they like, which ones they hear. There are more itching ear ministry that aren't even in churches. But then there are those churches that are itching ear. Only tell me these things. I don't want to hear anything else. I mean, it's in the Bible. Somebody's doing this. Somebody actually has these kind of congregations. This is literally taking place. Well, we need to rightly divide the word of truth. We need to go line upon line, precept upon precept. We need to bring in all the gifts which we have here. And we open up opportunities for that. We need to continue to flow with the Holy Spirit. We need to have tongues and interpretation of tongues. We need to have prophetic utterances. We need a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. You know, some of y'all hinder some of the moves of the Spirit because you want to text so fast what's going on instead of letting the Holy Ghost deal with it. It's true. Then you get upset when I'm like, here's the word. It's what you need to do. Well, that you, you only say that because you know about it. Well, God knows about it anyway. Whether you text me about it or I get it by the Spirit when I'm in prayer, either way, this is the right answer. I said this is the right answer. Are you with me? So if you're a believe, you won't be disappointed, but you're going to have to remain firm. More people have abandoned their faith than see it all the way through. Many have. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't continue to grow, and I'm not saying there aren't resources out there beyond me. I agree there are. Make no mistake about it. And I'm not telling you I know everything. I'm sure there's ministers that are beyond the revelation I have today, and it may help supplement you and strengthen you. I have no problem with that. But the reality is if you're not fully committed to the house you've been planted, then you're never really going to grow to the capacity that God wanted you to grow. Are you with me? Because too many people literally quit. They just quit. And one thing Christians do the most is quit churches. Quit this church, go to another one. Quit this church, go to another one. Quit this church, go to another one. Or if they stay in the church, they quit reading their Bible. They quit worshiping God. They quit praying in the Spirit. Well, the minute you quit doing that, then now you're digressing. You're not progressing with God. You're not keeping yourself stirred up. You're not keeping yourself at the place that you've attained to. 
If you don't stay with the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, which means you got to keep yourself built up in this new Christ reality that you are because there's lawlessness in the world. Everything around me says God ain't working. But yet I know when I examine my own life, I, I, I'm barely sick. Very rarely do I even get symptoms. I can't even remember the last time I was out, like out. I can't remember that time. Amen. And every symptom I've had, I would say for the last 15 years, for sure, they have been within 24 hours gone, Amen. period. The last time I think I was out was actually in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And that was after a Super Bowl Sunday. And I went home, and then that next morning I couldn't get out of bed. And I had to call in sick. And I'd only been there not very long. And I think, great, my pastor who hired me, you know, we're faith people, and now I'm sick, calling in sick. You know, he's going to think, wow, I got a winner. <laughs> so I'm like crying out to God, right? What's wrong, Lord? I believe you. Buy a stripe, you're healed, da-da-da-da. The Lord says, you're not sick. That's what he told me. You're not sick. You're dehydrated. You drank two full pots of coffee last night. And that was a true statement. I drank two pots of coffee by myself in a time frame of a game. I had dehydrated myself. I felt like a Mack truck had beat me and I couldn't move. I was so sore. Well, I was dehydrated. Well, he said, drink some water. You'll be fine. So I sucked down a bunch of water that day, went to work the next day. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. But I know his word works. I, my life has prospered. Yes, yes, yes. God has prospered my life. Yes. His word has not failed me. But the number one thing that I've done is not quit. Yes. And let me tell you, I've had plenty of opportunity to throw in a towel. And I'll be honest with you. At times, I have, I have metaphorically thrown it in. <laughs> or I have thrown it into God at the house, um, uh, on my bed, while clasping the sheets on my mattress. Not here in Florida ever, but prior. I mean, I'm held on. I'm not doing this. There's no way I'm following this call. This is crazy. I quit. I'm done. Only for God to give me my towel back and say, let's keep working. Right? Encouraging me. And you're like, yeah, I got to keep the towel because I'm not going to be happy. You're right? I mean, I'm not going to be fulfilled. If I, if I run that course, I, I won't be satisfied. So not quitting has moved us to this moment. And we have to continue to go, right? So the number one key to fulfilling God's plan is not to quit. It's not to quit. I don't wait on God to the, to the point that I'm immovable. I wait on God for instruction in a heading, and then I move. And that's scriptural. He said, Abraham, get up and go to the place I'm going to show you. Well, where is that place? Well, we know because we have the Bible, but Abram didn't know. And what did he do? Okay, I'm gone. Where are you going? I'm going this way. <laughs> and if that's wrong, God's going to let me know because he sure didn't tell me where I'm going. So he had to sense or either God somewhere along the way literally was communicating with him somehow that let him know where he was going. He didn't actually have to have it all planned out. He didn't have to see it all. He just needed a heading, which means get it, wait on the Lord to get a heading and then move. And as you move, you move God to fulfill what he spoke to you before you started moving. I mean, think about it. Abraham's out. He could have said, wait a minute now. I, where are you at? Because I'm moving. And all you gave me was go. 
and I'm out here. So you better tell me where I'm going next. And you know, God wasn't offended at that. Well, yeah, thank you for doing what I said. Now, let me give you the next step. Hallelujah. So a lot of times people are waiting. I want to wait. Got to say something. Where are you at? Okay, where are you at? Okay. Where you want me to go? Yep. Okay. Is that good? Can we do? I'm not going anywhere. God's like, I'm out there in front, man. I'm there. Just keep moving. As you move, I move. I'm going to give you a heading and then get out there. All right? And what I say is going to come to pass. Because I'm telling you right now, circumstances are going to get in between you and the Spirit of God to try to tell you, you lost. You might as well throw in the towel. It's going to happen. But thank God that the old covenant is, has historical accounts of people who literally lived on the planet that helps us in a new covenant uh, state so that we can follow their examples so that we can run our race in our dispensation. So if we get in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, it says, Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Caleb and said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning uh, you and me in uh, uh, Kadesh Bardina. For I was 40 years old when Moses, this is Caleb talking, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me, from that place to spy out the land, and I brought uh, word back to him uh, as it was in my heart. So Caleb and Joshua are, one, are two of the 12 spies that went in to go to the place that God said. God said, I'm giving you this land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to live in houses you didn't build, eat from vineyards you didn't uh, um, plant. You, there's going to be springs, flowing water. It's going to be a beautiful place. I'm giving it to, your, to you. Go possess it. And when Caleb and Joshua go in, they're like, we got this deal. They got a vision from God. And where did they get the vision from God? In Egypt. They didn't get this vision after they had been delivered. The plan didn't show up in the right environment. When all your bills were paid, you had the greatest job ever. No, they were in slavery when the plan showed up. All right? And so what was the spirit of Caleb? Numbers 13, 30 says it this way. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are, for we are well able to overcome it. He had this overcoming, conquering spirit about him. And this is a guy not born again. He's not born again. He doesn't have the spirit of God in him. But he had this. All right? Then we see... In Numbers 14, 24, the King James, New King James Version says it this way, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me. How's he followed me? 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 Fully. That's key. Because this is where the new dispensation Christian is not getting to overcoming conquering status. Is because they are not following Jesus fully. Now they are following him partially. Following when it's good, following when it's comfortable. 
following when you see the miracle happen? Notice, let's just talk about Israel. I have no problem. Israel is in slavery, right? And God shows up on the scene through it, using a man, but the whole nation is watching the miraculous. They're not in faith for it. They're not believing it. They're not standing for it. The miraculous. Do you know God by his spirit will manifest his miraculous independent of humanity? Now, when I say independent, meaning he doesn't need the crowd to get involved. He just needs one person to say what he's saying, and then he moves. And there are seasons that the spirit moves like that. Why? Because he's introducing himself to a, a, a race or a nation in bondage. And everyone's in bondage uh, that aren't in Christ Jesus. So he'll move miraculously to the lost to say, I am God. And in case you didn't know that I was, let me show you what I can do. Now, notice once that display of the spirit happened, then he delivers them, bringing them through the Red Sea, which signifies being born again, gets them over to the other side. Now, when they get in the wilderness, God's not saying, all right, I'm going to just do miraculous independent right now. We're going to start training you. Now, when you were over here, I'm going to show you who I am so you'll get confident in who I am. But I'm not going to live. We're not going to live in a relationship where I just do the miraculous while you watch. Okay, let me go. I'm not just going to do the miraculous while you sit back and go, Woo, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's my God. That's my God. Now, he'll do that just to get your attention. But then he'll get you out into a place that says, Now, I need you to follow my word. Now, if you'll do what I say, I'll show you miraculous things. So this is what you do. You pick up the food. You eat it. It'll be there the next day. Do not keep it. Don't do extra. Because it'll go bad. And everybody's going to know that you were wrong because your house is going to stink. See, when you do wrong after you're born again, everybody knows that your house stinks. That's why you come into church. People are like, whoa, hey, what's, what's going on? Right? Because there's an air. Oh, I'm preaching now. There's an air. Right, because God's telling you, and you're not doing exactly like he said, so there's this little aroma. And God could go through and say, yep, that person there didn't do it, they didn't do it, and they didn't do it. Great, right? That's not the plan. You failed on day one, so let's go to day two. Don't keep extra. You keep an extra, right? It's like, what are you doing? Then he says, remember what he said on the sixth day? Listen, now you get a double portion today. Because on the seventh day, I'm not dropping any miraculous food. But you'll be able to have enough. It won't spoil so that you can just rest in me and rem remind yourself, I am your God. Yes. Well, what did they do? Some got up the next morning and went looking for food. And he's like, look at all these people out there walking around trying to find food. Once again, it's obvious who's not. And he says it literally. Jesus says, the Lord put manna out so he would teach his people and train them so they would learn that man shall not live on bread alone, but, at, but out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So our wilderness experience, this is where we're supposed to grow up. What we're supposed to do is begin to say, okay, God will move miraculously as I obey. But then he wants to get you to the promised land. And the promised land is not heaven. Because there's 
an enemy in the promised land, and the devil has been cast out of heaven. There is no demonic realm in the third heaven where God the Father sits on the throne. You leave your body and you're present with the Lord, you're not going to say, is there a devil up in here? Because Jesus, I'll take him out right now. It won't happen. He's not there. I'll just get rid of this sickness and disease up here in heaven. Oh, I feel bold. I've, I've pulled off that, that skin suit. I, I, I feel empowered. I'll, I'll take down. Who has cancer? I'll lay hands on it. And the Lord's going to be like, bro, there's no cancer up here. No tumors. That's just not here. So the promised land is not heaven. Promised land is the overcoming Christian's life who's received the dominion back that Adam lost while you're walking on the earth. And so now when you get to the promised land, he says, now that I've trained you to hear what I say and show you the miraculous, I can go, I can use you to go pick a fight. Because somebody has my stuff. Somebody stole it. And it's still holding it, but I want my kids to go take it back by force. For the kingdom of God suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. And all of a sudden, you go up in there with God's word, and you do exactly what he says, and you're part of the process. God does his part, drops the walls, but then you go doing some of your own killing. How do you kill? You put, take up your sword. You take up your sword. In Jericho, they went in, and they, the people in there didn't say, we give up. Here's the right flag. We give up. We give up. Go ahead. You take us. No. They were like, oh, the wall did come. Here they come. And they pulled out their sword, and they're like, we're not going to go down without a fight. And they said, that's fine. Because your swords are natural. My sword is supernatural back with the power of God. And they thrust it in. They had to work their faith. You can't kill me. I'll kill you because this is mine. You can't kill me, but the word will take you out because this is mine. And we got to take up the sword of the spirit. But we got believers that's got their sword stuck in their sheath. You know what they're doing? Send me back to Egypt. I'd rather just be in chains and have them tell me what I'm going to eat, what am I going to drink, what I'm going to wear in bondage instead of going over to the kingdom. And the Lord said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, because together we'll conquer everything. Hallelujah. But you're not going to get this until you're fully following. I'm not going to mince words. And Jesus is not a liar. Jesus says, when questioned by the intellectuals of his day, both naturally by lawyers and by the intellectual, scholared, religious people. Okay? What's the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with... With what? All sounds like fully. But with all what? With all your heart. That's your spirit, man. With all your soul, mind. That means my emotions don't get pulled to what I see. My emotions stay connected with the Lord. With all your mind. That means your will and intellect. 
You know what? I give God praise. It's his plans and not my plans. It's his ideas and not my ideas. My whole study is centered around who he is. Then he said, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Strength is the employer you have shouldn't get the best effort of you. Well, I can't come to church, Pastor Earl, because I'm... Okay, go over here. I mean, I'm tired. You have no idea. So who got your best strength then? Who are you giving your best strength to fully? Lord said, well, get up and spend some time with me. Uh, you, you know what time I have to get up to go to work? The Lord might say, get another job then. No, I'm not telling you to quit. I'm just saying, if you're letting the world suck you dry physically that you can't spend any time with God, and you're saying, I just don't have time, you're wrong. Because now, I, I love Jesus. I follow him, not fully. And if you don't follow fully, you won't get what Caleb gets. Won't happen. In fact, you won't endure to the end because lawlessness will cause you and your love walk to wax cold. And when your love walk begins to feign or wane, then your faith's not going to work because faith worketh by. I said, faith worketh by. And I don't care who you are. Well, Lord, Pastor, I'm in faith, but you're at odds with your spouse. No, you're not because you got to walk in the love of God with your spouse. And if you're not walking in the love of God with your spouse, then you're not in faith. The minute you get out with your spouse, your faith stops working. The minute you get out of faith with your, get out of love with your brother, your faith stops working. And you can say, I believe all day long. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let's go on. Fully means consecrate. It means accomplish. It means holy. Holy, not like holy, holy is the Lord, but like whole, the whole thing. So again, when I gave my life to the Lord, I'm going to be honest with you, at the time it wasn't full. I mean, I just didn't want to go to hell, be honest with you, right? I don't want to go to hell. I mean, I want to be separated from God. It's a really good plan to not have to die and go to hell, you know? But I felt bad and guilty for doing wrong, and Jesus was my way of escape. And here's the thing. People want to, be, want to escape from Egypt, but want to live like Egypt. They want to escape Egypt, but only live with God in him doing everything miraculously, but they're still in bondage, yet not. I don't want to do anything. In fact, most believers want to just kind of sit down and say, Lord, bring that to me. I don't work. There's no work. You know, I mean, when I was in Egypt, you did it all. You, you, I mean, you did everything. So that's what he did on the cross, did it all. What you couldn't do, he did. But once he empowered you and put a spirit in you, he's like, son, it's time to do the father's business. We've come to occupy together, son. Together, we're going to do. I need you to hear me and step out and do what I say. And we want to just sit back. Well, if God don't bring it to me, it ain't God. I mean, there are missionaries right now that aren't on the mission field because they're waiting for all their finances to come in. I would love for you to meet the Rhema missionary to the Philippines who's been there for 30, 40-something years now, went as a single guy, graduated from Rhema, and had enough money to get a one-way ticket to the Philippines because he knew he was called. That's all he knew. 
and he bought the ticket, showed up in the Philippines, and had no way to go home. Know what he did? I've heard you. I'm moving. And together, we're going to do something. Forty-something years later, found the wife in the country that he is to minister to. They have built a ministry that has gone all through the nation. Thousands of people, tens, hundreds of thousands of people have been changed. Why? Because he had the audacity to actually believe God in his word and not wait for all of this finance to come in, but to actually go somewhere and dare God to failing. Now, are there people who support this guy? You bet. He ain't broke because his dad's not broke. Now, I'm not saying that's everybody's way of doing, but I'm just saying so many people are like, I have a heart for the nation, or I have a heart to do this for God. I have a heart to do this. And you know, they're waiting for it to drop in their lap. Basically, you come do it, God, and then I'll say, praise the Lord. Right. And the Lord's like, I've already done it. Start walking. Because when they got into the promised land, he's already given it to them. Yeah. But Jericho doesn't lay down. You got to go up in there and do something. Yeah. Habakkuk 2, 3 says this, For the vision is yet for a appointed time. It hastens towards the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. Okay, so let me give you a little backstory real quick. Abram was told in Genesis 15, verse 13, the Lord told him, Your people are going to be held captive for 400 years. He said, they're going to get over into a nation that's ultimately going to oppress them and they're going to be in captivity 400 years. So Caleb's born at the right time because if he'd have been born 200 years earlier, he never would have came out of chains. Now, I don't know if Abraham passed this down to Isaac. Isaac passed it to Jacob. Jacob told it to Joshua, Joseph. I perceive jo jo Joseph knew it. And the right reason I say that is because Joseph, when he died, said, now listen, when we go, take my bones out. We're not staying. Now, did he know when that was going to happen? Did, did his, you know, great-great-grandfather tell him? I don't know. Bible doesn't say. But all I know is Caleb's in the generation of deliverance. Are you with me? And you're in the generation of deliverance. You're in the generation that Christ has paid it all. You're in the generation that there's nothing on the planet we can't go up and possess when we actually walk in the plan and purpose of God. And it's not just going to be laid out to you without your effort. You're going to have to go fight the good fight of faith and go get that thing. And you're not going to get that thing until you follow him fully. Because what kind of environment was Caleb in? Caleb was in the generation of, of the delivered. He was born a slave. Talking about someone who can complain about their life. He was in a culture of, of, of people who were oppressed. Every one of his people were a victim. Not one. They all were victims. Every one of them were oppressed. And the attitude of his, his nation and all of his people and his families, they were doubters. They were, uh, they were complainers. They were pessimistic. They had no hope. And when Moses came in and said, the Lord has sent me. Let me show you what he's done. I'm the guy. You the man, Moses. Go to Pharaoh and deliver us. He goes. It gets worse. They say, you need to take yourself back to the house. What you need to do is go home. Because before you came, 
It was better. It was better in chains. It was better being beaten. It was better being told what to eat. It was better being told what to do all the time by oppression, never letting you flourish, never letting your gift come out. It got better all of a sudden just because it got a little harder when God said, I'm going to deliver you. See, the minute God gives you something, the devil's going to say, he is a Pharaoh. He, Pharaoh spoke on behalf of the devil. What did Pharaoh say? Go make it harder for the people so the words that that guy just said, they'll think it's a lie. How many people don't do the plan of God because the devil convinced you it was a lie? It can't come to pass. Well, I can't do that. It's too hard. You know, I, you know my life was okay till I started following that idea. I, I must have missed it because it got hard. Well, it gets hard. All of a sudden, you must have missed it. No, you got to endure. Overcomers actually have to overcome something. Right? You got to overcome something. I mean, there's, and Jesus doesn't even mince words with it. In this life, you're going to have some trials and tribulations, people. I mean, he tells you that. But then he gives you good news. But we lock up the minute the trial and tribulation happens. And the Lord's like saying, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So all you got to do is do what I say. When I say it, follow my steps. It's going to be all right. We're going to overcome. But you got to stay with me. Quit looking at the trial. Quit looking at the mountain. Quit looking at the problem. Quit listening to the people. You can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that. That's impossible. There's no way you're going to be able to do that. This is his people. What's sad is this happens in the homes. Husband gets a plan from God, and the wife says, we can't do that. Vice versa. Wife starts hearing something about God. I got to work, honey. How am I going to take care of the kids? I mean, people thought I had lost my mind when I said, God's called me to go to Bible school. Well, do you have a job? Nope. So you're going to pick up your wife and three kids and take them to a place you've never been, to a ministry you've never heard of, to a bunch of people that you've never heard teach, to a place that you do not have a job nor a home. Yep, yep, that's what I'm doing. You're crazy. No, my Lord's faithful. And I overcame. I said I overcame. Because I got there. I showed up. And the minute I got there, the devil stole our money. All my cash that I had, gone. In Golden Corral. Hallelujah. Gone. Somebody got the biggest tip ever that day. The biggest tip ever. Amen. Now, I can't help it if their body, you know, got with the botch or something because they took God's money. All I'm saying is, God calls me to prevail. You don't touch what's holy, because that was the Lord's money. Hallelujah. All right. Listen, the hearts of his people were hardened by their circumstances, the generation of seeing yet never believing. They saw the miraculous yet still couldn't believe God could do something. I mean, how many people do you know that are born again? They genuinely love God, but you're like, man, God, you're... And if they don't see the plan, they can't hook up with you. They're thinking, you're crazy. Well, God gave you a brain, didn't he? Yes. And he told me to get that thing in alignment with the spirit that sometimes it won't know what the spirit's doing. And I'm okay with that. Maybe you ought to try it. (laughs) I know people I've graduated with doing nothing today. Nothing. You know why they're not doing anything? Because they couldn't step out in the unseen. 
They couldn't go out into a place that the minute they put their foot down, it actually would have held them. Pastor Marcus can tell you, he's got friends that he knows doing nothing for God today and thought he was, had lost his mind to come to Florida and to abandon the track he was on with music. But where he's at today is, has, has opened up everything that's ever been in his heart. Amen. Everything Amen. to this point. Amen. Why? Because God wasn't withholding from him. God had a plan for him. And all he had to do was step out and do some things. And he's been out in places that it's like, we're going to die in the natural. And everything's talking. You understand, people may not talk, but your bill will talk. Your car start talking because it breaks down. <laughs> you hear what I, I mean? You're like, how am I going to do this? All of a sudden, God says, I want you to put $273 a month to finish this thing out. Lord, I'm going to do it. Then your car falls apart. 273. 273. What you going to do now? Is 273 going to go to your car or are you going to stay with God? Because you might drop that car, that 273, and somebody drops you off a car. Brings you in something you never could even conceive because you, I know of people that have literally done that. They heard from God, put something in. The next thing, God opened thousands of dollars open for them that they didn't even know existed but because they were faithful to sow at a word for the unseen. See, the condition to think that hard times will rule over dreams, they had no hope. That's what he lived in. You need to get away from those people. You need to run from them. I don't care if they've been friends for 30 years. You need to say, you're a dream killer. I got to go. <laughs> I got to get somewhere. I got a plan. You know, you get around these little naysayers, you need to say, you need to either shut your mouth, change the way you talk about me, because my daddy talks to me a lot better than you're talking to me right now. Amen. And my dad can get some stuff done. Now, I understand it sounds crazy to you, but maybe we won't talk about my dreams no more. Because what God said about me is going to come to pass. Because I'm not going to pull out. Right. I'm going to continue to course. Well, did it happen for Caleb? We know that Caleb gets over and says, man, we're well able. We can conquer it. But 10 other guys said we can't. And it brings, breeds cancer into the whole congregation. And the Lord's like, fine, you're not going. So here's, think about Caleb now. I was in bondage. Our whole nation's been there for 400 years. And then God shows his supernatural ability and dis decimates Egypt. We come out the wealthiest nation free. We come through dry ground of a place that should be, we should have drowned in. And we watch our enemy actually drown. He ain't coming to get us. It ain't like he's going to show back up. God let them know he ain't coming because he don't live. And we act like the devil can He's been whipped and stripped of his power. The only thing he can do to you is when you let it. He's under the blood. He ceases to exist to have any authority or power over your life. Now, he can send things out. He can fire missiles from long range at you, but no weapon formed against you can prosper. Amen. And Caleb's like, we can do this thing. And he comes back and says, it's exactly what God said. Man, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. This is good stuff. And they're like, we can't do it. So now he's marching around in a place for 40 years. He's 40 years old, and now he's stuck for 40 years. Now, talk about maybe getting bitter. We're walking around this mountain one more time. We've been here. We were here 20 years ago. You know, I don't, I don't feel good that these people are dropping dead in the wilderness, man. 
I mean, God said he's going to drop them dead in the wilderness. I see it happening. They ain't going to come in. I realize that. But, dude, 20 years, I could have I been in there. But Caleb didn't have that. When Caleb's walking there and says, that's all right, 20 more years to go. I'm getting in. 20 more years to go. Because God's faithful. He's got, I, God, what you said about my life is going to happen. And I was there. I guarantee you, Caleb was going around every time he went around another mountain, every time he went around something he had seen before, every time he was uh, uh, there seeing God move uh, through his tabernacle and see all these things take place and seeing people die and seeing, he was thinking, you know what? I, man, I remember being over there and I know what it's like and I'm going to get there because God promised that to us and I'm going to be there. And he said I would get there. Even though the rest aren't, I'm going to get there. And I'm there. And you know what? I remember a mountain. I'm getting that day. I am getting that mountain when I get there. I know, because here's the thing. The promised land ain't just about me. It's about this whole nation, and I can't go in without them. But when we get up in there, I will get my part of it. I'll get my part of it. And in Joshua chapter 14, verses 8 through 13, it says, Nevertheless, my brethren, we, uh, and he's talking to him now. Caleb's talking to him. He says, Now listen. Uh, Nevertheless, my brethren, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. You got to settle right now that there is an anchor faith church work for you while you're here. And until you're assigned somewhere else by the Holy Ghost, you should want to see it come to pass. And you'll get your individual piece of the pie. But it isn't just about you getting yours. It's about us getting what God called us to do. And we don't give up in a year. We don't give up over adversity. We don't give up when someone says you can't be somewhere. We don't give up when some, somebody comes and attacks. We don't give up when it seems like where's the money so we can do this. Will they continue to hold out? We don't give up. We say, no, God said it. It's going to happen. And we keep walking around saying this thing's ours. It's going to be exactly as God said. It's going to come to pass. Why? Because I'm following this thing fully. Fully means we're there all the time, on time, doing our part, doing our job, doing our assignment, doing what we're called to do, putting our hand to what we're called to put our hand to. Fully. Fully. We think it, breathe it, drink it, sweat it. This vision should consume you. This vision consumes me not because I pastor, but because God assigned me to this vision and I just happened to be pastor. Because when I was in Sand Springs and not the lead pastor or senior pastor, I would eat, breathe, and drink that vision and can still quote it today. And as long as that man was alive in the earth, I supported him and supported his vision. I still support Rama. Because I came out of that place. That was my timeline. Those are the people that God joined me with. Those are my company. Those are the ones that I'm assigned to. Those are the ones who believe like I believe, who, who stand like I stand, and I'm with them. Yes. Everybody else can do what they do, but this is my company. Yes. This is my company. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to prosper that thing. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that vision to move. Because this church is just a piece of the big pie of when God spoke to a man back in 1970-something and said, what is that sound of tramp, 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 tramping along? Those were my feet. Those were your feet. This is way bigger than just one little thing. 
way bigger. And I'll never be the feet. I'll never be the sound unless I'm fully committed. There's many believers that are going to a pitter patter. And we're losing the sounds of their feet because they're quitting, they're, they're, they're quitting and not following fully. He says, where will they go? To the uttermost parts of the world. And you know what? God has opened door after door after door for Anchor Faith Church to go to those places. Oh, we got our assignment here. Make no mistake about it. And we do most here. But there are doors. My wife was approached by a few people in some other country and said, Would y'all come? Would you come and minister? Why? Because God heard those feet. Since 79, actually. May of 1979, he got that prophetic word. And in June of 79, I got born again. A month later, my feet, God heard me. And I heard God. And he brought me to that place. And he's brought me to this place. And God's going to see it come to pass. Have I been around naysayers? Yeah. I've been around discontent. Yes. But what's he say? He said, man, I've followed the Lord my God fully. Verse 9. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God fully. There it is. You ought to underline that. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. How old is he now? How old is he? He's 85. He's 85. How many people retiring at 85? I love Pastor Hagen. Man, Pastor Hagen in the Winter Bible says, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be 80 in September, but I'm still doing it. I may slow down a little bit and do some others, do some, uh, let some assignments go and focus on some others. But know this, I'm not retiring. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going on. Amen. Amen. He's not trying to look at his 401k and find out where he can go and retire in Branson and sit around and watch all the shows. No, he's loading up the jet, and he's going around the world, and he's telling them about Jesus and preaching about faith and laying hands on the sick. My goodness, man. Fully. Fully. He said, now listen, these 45 years from the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, then uh, Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I'm 85 years old today. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me, as my strength was then, so is my strength now for war and for going out and coming in. Now, why can he say that? Because he's already been in the promised land for five years. He was 40 when he went in. Then they had 40 years they were there. Now he's five years into the promised land. So he's been there five years. He's older than most. <laughs> Joshua and Caleb are the only ones from that generation to make it. Moses don't even get in because of hitting a rock twice. Joshua and Caleb show up. And Caleb, you would think that the generation say, Caleb, we've been watching you march around with us and seeing your generation die left and right for the last 40 years. Let's go get your mountain and set you up and then we'll go take care of ours. No, Caleb went and helped the younger generation conquer theirs first. 